Attention, this is not legal advice. If you are experiencing a legal emergency, contact an attorney or your local public defender's office. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Gin and Justice. about justice hey i'm justine and i'm amanda welcome to another legal brief with gin and justice before we talk about anything it is election (laughs) day what are you guys doing are you voting because you should be and before you go vote make sure you have taken a look at your sample ballot so you're not surprised when you're in there yes do you know who you're voting for there's actually a website that I wish I could remember the name of it. If I think of it before we do the show notes, I'll plug it in the show notes. It's a website that helps compare each candidate. Ballotopia. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll put it yeah. in the show notes then. <laughs> so go out and vote. Today is the last day. These are the midterm elections. They are super important. And make sure you look at any local issues that are going to be on your ballots as well. And, you know, just like try to think about any woman that you know when you walk in there. <laughs> Also, have you left us a review? (laughs) When you're done voting, please go and leave us a review. Or while you're standing in line for voting, you can go right into the mobile app of either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If any of the other places allow for reviews, you can do that as well. But I know at least those two we do keep an eye on. Thank you to those of you who have been leaving reviews. It just helps us to make our way to the Apple Podcast charts and the Spotify charts So that way, the stories that we tell and the people we have on and the organizations that we have on can be elevated and their voices heard because we are quite the minority with a lot of our viewpoints. So it's important to have our voices heard. Correct. But to get into this week's legal brief, we're just going to bring you some brief news. And I think we both have one article, essentially, that we're going to be talking about. You want me to go first? Please. I found an interesting one. It's from the University of Chicago. And the headline is, police agencies significantly overrepresent black suspects in Facebook post study finds. Law enforcement agencies on Facebook disproportionately post about crimes involving black suspects, according to new research co-authored by the University of Chicago Scholar. Facebook users are exposed to posts that overrepresent black suspects by 25 percentage points relative to local arrest rates, according to the study. The study was published on November 2nd in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. And I actually found a link to the actual study, too, which is really cool because they give you in the study links to literally everything that they did, which is super cool. If you don't believe things that you read on the Internet, you can literally see how they found it. (laughs) Don't believe everything you read on the Internet, people. (laughs) (laughs) We know you guys are smarter than that. We know that. The reporting trend occurs across crime types and geographic regions, but is especially prevalent in much of the Midwest and some of the South and Mid-Atlantic. It also increases with both Republican voters and non-Black residents. Public opinion about crime has a huge effect on crime policy, says 
studies co-author John Rappaport, a professor at the University of Chicago Law School and an expert in criminal law, criminal procedure, and the criminal justice system. What we found suggests that law enforcement agencies are using Facebook in ways that are likely to move public opinion in the wrong direction, aggravating bias, and generating increased demand for punitive approaches. The article was co-authored by Ben Grunwald from Duke University and Julian Nyarko, I hope that was pronounced correctly, of Stanford University. The report's findings are significant given the increasing importance of social media in being the key source of crime news. Unlike traditional media, which can filter how law enforcement communicates with the public, social media has no external gatekeepers. Instead, law enforcement itself decides when and how to report on a crime. So basically, if you got racist-ass cops telling you only about black suspects and crimes committed by black people, people are going to think crimes are only committed by black people. Right. Perpetuating the bias, perpetuating people to vote for people that perpetuate biases. So perpetuate, how many times? Perpetuate, 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 perpetuate. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> so this is very interesting, I thought, but oh, I will put all that in the show notes for you guys if you want to dig deeper. Well, I have some interesting yet not surprising information from New York City. So this is from Bloomberg. New York City's subway police surge fails to dent transit crime by Fola Akinabi. I hope that's right. So... As we know, evidence-based policies that actually work to reduce crime don't necessarily include increasing the police force. As the pandemic numbers increased of transit riders, apparently there was an increased rate of crime. So the mayor's approach, Mayor Eric Adams, was to increase police on the subway. And so their approach was alerting people at certain stops that police are stationed there in case they want to get off the train and report a crime. And basically what they found is, surprise, surprise, the added police presence has only led to more arrests for low-level offenses, such as fare evasion, particularly among people of color. So (sighs) go figure that increasing police presence really only increase arrests for low it was kind of like a mini social experiment so i kind of like that they did this are seeing these I mean, results because you know it's just so weird to me that we both went and looked for articles to talk about today and we both found such similar things happening and but some people just like still deny that there is this racial bias even happening oh yeah it, for sure it's so disturbing to me because it's so blatantly obvious in front of us Well, so there's a person that we follow that is going to be on the show in the future. She was talking about how really the tough on crime or soft on crime rhetoric is such BS. And really what we need to focus on is not whether we're tough on crime or soft on crime, but rather being smart on crime. Right. And and, and we're smart on crime when we use data and evidence based studies to effectively reduce, prevent and reduce the impact of crime. Right. And that's what people actually want. Right. People want safer streets. Right. So anyways, um, and of course, the New York state governor is up for re-election today, or I guess her first election technically, since she took over for Governor Mm -hmm. Cuomo. Her Republican opponent is really focusing on her being, quote unquote, soft on crime. You know, I've seen a lot of transformative practices in New York over the last several years that don't have to do with her. Actually, Governor Cuomo was very good at reducing the prison population. He 
put in a lot of criminal justice reform measures in the state of New York. So um, people have kind of been on that roller coaster with him for a while saying, you know, that he's soft on crime or whatever. Uh, what you do see up there is a lot of the, oh, I learned something really interesting, actually. Um, it, it might have been at that conference we went to, now that I'm thinking about it. It was talking about how prisons were originally built in rural areas mm -hmm. as an economic practice or something because it would give jobs to those who lived mm -hmm. in rural areas right. as um, prison guards. Then as people started moving to cities, they really just lost the people that could be, you know, staff there. Um, right. Cause one, nobody wants to travel into work. The conditions inside prisons are not only not good for the people who are in custody, but the, the people that work there as people well. who are working there as well. So, so anyways, but yeah, so up in New York specifically, and I'm just speaking on New York because I, personally saw this prior to moving to Florida is a lot of the rural towns that have prisons when they did shut down because New York was not incarcerating as many people and not as many people were being held um, mm -hmm. and on long sentences, which by the way, the overall crime rate in New York has been reduced mm -hmm. just to put that out there. But um, the people in the rural towns who essentially have no other source of work are getting very upset because they're profiting off of a prison being in their town. So when the prison right. shuts down, you know, that's probably two to 300 employees at least right. that are losing employment. And so the problem isn't so much that we are reducing the prison population, but it's that our society is so focused and, and so built on having people in prison. Right. So, you and know, forgetting that these are actual people, right? Right. It's like our economic system is so built on free prison labor, right. having these prisons that they're profiting off of because they're getting all sorts of grants and, you know, budgetary taxes and all of these things. You know, we just heard the other day that the average cost to house somebody in custody for one year is $33,000, as opposed to the amount we invest in here in Florida, at least per child mm -hmm. per year is 8,000 for education. Right. So, you know, as many people said, and as it's clear from where our money goes, it's clear where our priorities are. Right. So, exactly. So anyways, yeah. So anyway, so this article was really cool for me personally, not cool that it's happening, but to show that, oh, increased police presence doesn't reduce crime. Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Next week, guys, we have a really great conversation for you. We recorded it, obviously, prior to the storm, so we've been waiting to release it. We're super mm -hmm. excited about it. Dr. Christy Smith, she's going to be talking to us about probation and parole and evidence and research-based practices for yes. success. Very so, important. <laughs> and she was super cool. We're really excited to finally get you somebody to be able to talk to you about probation and parole from, from the officer standpoint, too. So. Don't forget to rate, review, follow us on all the socials, vote like you care about something. Yep. All right, guys. We will see you next time on Gin and Justice. Bye. All editing for Gin and Justice done by Gin and Justice Podcast. Artwork by Justin Cardone. Photography by Kimber Schwakey. We'll see you next time on Gin and Justice.